Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. It's time once again for Mother Angelica Answering the Call. It's the weekly radio program that highlights Mother's spiritual insights and compassion when dealing with questions that troubled our callers to her live show over the years in the 1980s and 1990s. I'm Doug Keck, joined as always by my co-host and friend, EWTN chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Always good to see you, Father. And good to be with you, Doug. And you know, Mother gives just these practical that just really make it clear answers and we're going to hear that in the first segment absolutely later on in the program we're here prayer during unemployment standing during the consecration that must have made mother thrilled uh and if you want to believe go to jesus up first though do i still have to worry about sin after being saved sounds like somebody's been talking to some local protestants Mm -hmm. and mother just cuts through it all with this really practical example it says oh yeah you know that makes sense uh, well, once I marry a girl, I can slap her around now because we're one. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah, you know that when you say that you're saved, you've accepted Jesus and you're one with Him. That doesn't mean now that you can just live a sinful life and kind of carry on as you were. No, it means that you don't want to offend Him. Just like if you married a girl, you want to grow in the appreciation of her preciousness and love her and not offend her <laughs> and uh, to grow in that love. Right, and to be fair to most uh, Protestant evangelicals, they would say that's a misunderstanding even inside their own uh, mm. denomination over the idea that you're supposed to be, if you are saved in that way, you're supposed to be living that out to show mm. that, in fact, you were saved. Otherwise, sometimes they say, well, so-and-so just had a said faith. They mm-hmm. said it, but they didn't <laughs> really take it on. Right. Uh, but uh, I don't think anybody really believes you can just say that prayer and then go and live the, the debauched existence you lived before, and that's perfectly fine with our Lord. And it's non-scriptural, really, because if you read the scriptures again and again, we're told, like at the end of the book of Revelation, chapter 22, that we will be repaid according to our deeds. Or Matthew 25 where he talks about, did you help the poor? Did you help the needy? Or did you neglect them? How did you use your talents? That's Matthew 25. Well, that sounds like we got to live in a way pleasing to God. Exactly. You know, uh, I think Mother has a great line in here where she says, if you accept Jesus in your heart, what you do is want to be like Jesus. Yeah, exactly. So each day she would try to conform Like, for example, her impatience. Well, how would Jesus respond to this person? How would he practice patience? Would he get upset, as she said one time, knocking over a glass of water? No. (laughs) So make your heart like Jesus. Absolutely. Do I still have to worry about sin after being saved? We have another call. Hello? Hi, Mother. How are you? Fine. Where are you from? I'm from uh, Redford, Michigan. And what is your question? Uh, My question is, I have a very good friend that I work with. And we've talked often about, <clears throat> excuse me, about sin. And it's of his belief that once you accept Jesus as your Savior, there is no need to go to confession. There is no need to really worry about sin anymore. No matter what you do, you're still going to go to heaven. You will find heaven. <laughs> and 
I really don't know how to answer them. We're, we're different religions. I'm Roman Catholic, and uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm a little bit confused because he's trying to explain to me that uh, what I'm doing is is basically a waste because uh, once I've accepted Jesus, that should be enough for heaven. It's like saying, well, once I marry the girl, I could slap her around now because we're one. You can't do that. God, you cannot defile your body with sin once you know Jesus. You can't. That's presumption. And that's a grave sin, presumption. Do you think for one moment that Jesus, in his infinite love and infinite Godhead, would send his Son, and Jesus would come to suffer for our sins so that we could sin all we wanted? Does that make any sense to you? Sin is horrible before God. That's why he gave us the sacrament of confession. I stay away from that man. He is not a friend. He is a deceiver. He wants you to think that you can commit any sin in the world and go straight to heaven. You're going straight, buddy, but not to heaven. <laughs> please, please, do not be taken in by this grave deceit. In fact, St. Paul says, if we were already saved, we wouldn't have to hope for it. You don't hope for something you already possess. I have here a glass of water. I'd be stupid to hope for a glass of water. I got it in my hand. So I cannot say that Jesus died so I can sin. Ooh. What are you thinking about, huh? No, he died so I can be saved away from sin without sin. I cannot say that. That's presumption. You know, that's accusing God of something very evil. If you accept Jesus in your heart, what you do is to want to be like Jesus. That's what you're saying. And St. Paul says, light and darkness have nothing in common. God is eternal light. He cannot encourage you in darkness, he cannot encourage you towards his enemy. See, so, I'm afraid your friend is deceived. He's also a cop-out. He can't control himself, so he has to think. Well, I'm safe, I can do what I want. Stay away. Stay away. Pray for him. He's in grave danger of grave sin because he thinks God is a foolish man. And we continue with Mother Angelica answering the call with prayer during unemployment. Now, this mm -hmm. is something, uh, Father, which has come and gone many times over mm -hmm. the years, that 41-plus uh, years that this network has been on the air. 
Yes, and I actually had someone write to me and say, well, you prayed for those without employment, but there's plenty of opportunities. Well, that's true in the United States, but we're in 145 countries. It's not true in every country where we are. So there are some people who struggle to have meaningful employment that can support themselves or support their families. And um, so it's an important thing for us to pray for. Right, and it's also important, I think, for people to realize that that work and labor uh, is something that adds to one's Mm self-worth in this world, and it's part of basically the structure of society and also our Lord. You know, uh, the the Mm -hmm. apostles were out there fishing, and, you know, a laborer is, you know, do their recompense. We're called to serve, and so God's given us certain talents, certain interests, and we're called to utilize those as Matthew, again, Matthew 25 teaches us, and it's in utilizing them that we realize the gift of ourselves, the talents, the works, the effort, it all contributes to growing in love. Right. We're supposed to pick up our cross, pick up our shovel, and worry <laughs> about, and, and leave the extras for the widows and orphans. Let's see. Prayer during unemployment. Hello. We have another call. Hello, Mother Angelica. Yes. Hello, how are you? I'm fine. Great. My name is Stephen Mosher. I'm calling from Boynton Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to emphasize something that you said earlier about the importance of prayer yeah. when you are praying uh, during times of unemployment. It really does get you through it. Yeah. Now, a lot of people would roll their eyes at that and say, oh, sure, it's easy for you to say, but believe me, I was unemployed for a very long time. And it was during this time that I actually found that prayer strengthens you during times of rejection. It really brings you closer to the Lord as well. And also, to turn to my wife, Lita, during this time was really important, too, because she was a wonderful source of strength. And during this time, it actually really strengthened our marriage. Yes. And I have a prayer that really got me through this. It was from my okay. prayer book. It's called The Prayer for the Unemployed. Good. And I'd like to share it with your audience, if you'd like. Okay, that's fine. I'll pluralize it because uh, it's in the singular here. But it starts as this. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, you wanted all who are weary to come to you for support, but Lord, many are worn out by their inability to find wage-earning work. Day after day, their worries and fears grow by the rejections of their applications. They are able to and willing to work, but they cannot find worthwhile work. Please help them to obtain jobs soon so that they can support themselves and their families in a decent way. However, if it is your will that they wait longer, Enable them to worry less and to be able to take advantage of the time available to get closer to you. Let us realize that there are other ways to bring about your kingdom on earth and help them to make use of the time for the time being so that they may continue to grow as people for your greater glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Mother. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for that beautiful prayer. That said it all, didn't it? Hmm? And viewers, remember that you too are called to pray. Pray for those who have called in. They have really heart-rending problems and worries. And and think of those callers during the week. See, we we want this, this, I I want this television network to be different. I want it to be a really a caring family. I want to hear your problems, but I want all of us to share that problem, to feel for you. 
the woman a minute ago who was had said a prayer, but she could hardly hardly say it because she was in tears over a, a deep worry and heartache. Huh? So if, I want you to feel that. Maybe, maybe the Lord will give us that wondrous gift of compassion back again. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us. Part two of Mother Angelica answering the call. Doug Keck here with Father Joseph Mary Wolf. This one talks about standing during the consecration. Mm-hmm. That harkens back to some of the very interesting uh, <laughs> yes. things that went on. Yeah, those were confusing times, and thankfully, in a lot of places at least, uh, those things have been resolved. But I was thinking that our postures during the liturgy express something, right? So when we stand for the gospel, we're being very attentive. We want to hear every word of the gospel. When we bow, the bow down for God's blessing, we're humbling ourselves before the Lord to receive what he wants to give us. When we're kneeling, we're in a uh, posture of adoration. And of course, that's fitting for the consecration when our Lord becomes present on the altar in the hands of a priest. Well, as you were saying in one of our earlier programs about Mother cutting through uh, mm-hmm. uh, everything, <laughs> getting right to the right to mm-hmm. the chase, she says, "My friend, if Jesus stood in front of you now, you'd you'd kneel. Believe me." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If we really understand the reality of the real presence, and I think a lot of people don't understand that, but that's the way in which His sacred humanity remains with us, with His divinity. Right, and 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 it's and, and it's always been seen that again the physical gestures that we make are reflective of our inner selves. Mm-hmm. I'm really moved, actually, by the devotion of so many of our regulars here, and of our employees at our noon mass. There really is, and you can sense it, a profound love that they have for the Lord as they're about to receive Him. How that must delight the heart of our Lord. Amen. Let's see what Mother has to say about standing during the consecration. So, we have another call. Hello? Hello. Where are you from? Spokane, Washington. Wonderful. What is your question? Um, first of all, Mother, I'd like to say it's an honor to speak to you. Thank you. Um, when I was at Mass on Sunday, um, the priest, came when he came to the Eucharistic prayer, he invited everyone up to the altar. So we did what he said and all gathered around. But then when it came to the consecration, everyone stood. And I was confused and didn't know what to do. So I just thought, well, I'll just do what everyone else is doing. I just didn't know what to do. And I, I knew that we should have been praying, but like I said, I was confused. Was this acceptable or should we have been kneeling? Well, I think God understands you got a little chicken. <laughs> I think you feel bad about it. You should have knelt. There are many um, churches on many rites that, like Byzantine, right? They all stand. 
but you belong to the Latin rites. You know for sure that is the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. No matter what any other rite does, no matter what the church, including the American bishops, have said, you kneel from the Sanctus to the Our Father. My friend, if Jesus stood in front of you now, you would kneel, believe me. You'd put your face right on the ground because suddenly you would know the awesome presence of God. It's not a matter of kneeling or standing. I think this whole big deal about stand instead of kneel is not a matter of a rubric. It's a matter of faith. If you believe this is a cookie, like I've been told, then you might as well stand. In fact, you could stand on your head for a cookie. <laughs> but it's not what it is. It's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of the Lord God who humbled himself to become a piece of bread. Are you telling me that you are so proud that you're not going to kneel for that occasion? You see, you've got to look at motivation these days. They don't tell you to stand, except they don't believe. It's a ceremony to some. Not body, blood, soul, and divinity. First of all, you shouldn't have been on the altar in the first place. And at the consecration, we saw somewhere recently Some stood, some knelt. And one man, I had the temptation to hit him right in the knees because he was in front of me. But I couldn't reach him. <laughs> he was like this. I said, Lord, first forgive me for wanting to hit him as hard as I could smack his back in. And secondly, Give him light. What what do we what are we going to do, huh? Are we so proud in our hearts? Are we so full of sin we're like a stone that we refuse to bend the knee? Do you know what scripture says, huh? Let me tell you. It says every knee shall bend on the earth and under the earth at the very name of Jesus, let alone his presence. And wrapping up for this week's program, a call that has to do with you want to believe, go to Jesus. That was always Mother's first uh, port. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, there's a, a book I like of Anthony Stefano. He's done a number of things, of course, that you've had on your bookmark. And, right. and he had this book called Ten Prayers That God Always Says Yes To. A very intriguing title. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, the first one is, God, show me that you exist. And if you say that sincerely, and you really want to know because you want to conform your life, you know that prayer is going to be answered. Right. I think the reason most people uh, don't do it is because they're afraid it will be answered, (laughs) and then they'll have a responsibility to respond. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if we sincerely want to do God's will and we're sincerely seeking him so that we can form our lives to his and to grow in that life with him, then he's not going to frustrate that soul. He's going to reveal that soul. And Peter Kraft has an interesting point that he makes that if we have, he doesn't give us so much light that we are coerced into belief. Hmm. He doesn't give us too little light that we could never find him. But he gives us just enough light that if we love him and seek him, we will find him. Let's see what Mother has to say. If you want to believe, go to Jesus. Well, we have another call. Hello? Good evening, Mother. Hi, where are you from? I'm calling from Alabama. Good. And what is your question? Well, not so much a question. Um, I'm having an awful time believing. You have an awful time what? Believing. Believing what? Oh, this sounds terrible, but in God and in Jesus, even though I want to believe very badly, and I pray and I ask and I wait for an answer, and it never seems to come. Well, let me tell you a little secret. If you want to believe, that's the beginning. You don't have, you cannot say I have no faith. Yeah, you do. The desire for faith is there. I think you're looking at a feeling or you're looking at some great light where the mystery will be taken away from you. It won't. I don't know whether you're Catholic or not, but it doesn't matter. If Even if you're not Catholic, find a church. You said you were from Birmingham, didn't you? I got the church right here with Jesus is right there in the middle. Why don't you come to this chapel and just sit there? Look at the one you want to believe in and say, Jesus, I I want to believe. I want to believe. Well, you might feel something. You might not. But if you want to believe, you are beginning to believe. The only one that can give you the gift of faith, and it is a gift, all of you have to thank him for that gift. You could never have it on your own. If you want to believe, then go to the one who can give you the gift. See? If you want food, you're not going to go to some plumber's convention that's going to tell you how to fix a pipe. (laughs) You go to a restaurant. If you want to believe, go to Jesus. One of the apostles, you know, became an apostle when he said, I want to see Jesus. What a beautiful say. When you get up tomorrow morning, say, I want to see Jesus. I want to believe in Jesus. Talk to his mother. Ah, oh, she's the one.
She's the one that will obtain from her divine son the gift of faith. If you're praying for the gift of faith, you obviously know you need it. And I hope all of you that have received that gift will be grateful tonight and pray for this one who really wants to believe. But you're going to have to humble yourself. Put away all your desires to understand. You can't put the ocean in a capsule. Neither can any of us fully understand the mystery of divinity and all its prerogatives. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.